What's all this, Chris? Well, you know, this week's episode was about spiders. Mm-hmm. I figured we must have some listeners that can't stand them. Yeah, we totally do. So I thought I'd try an experiment to see if we could create an episode for them. With all this junk. Carefully selected junk. Have a look. Oh, what's the vinyl? <gasps> the Sex Pistols. Anarchy in the UK. Bit obvious, I know, but it seemed a good place to start. We don't have a record player anymore. Oh, no worries. I've also got these. Raincoats? Anoraks. Well, I get it, but <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to work. Uh, who's that? Hello. Uh, that's Kevin. Why? Uh, a different kind of anorak, just in case. Is that everything? Nope. Um, I've got uh, sliders, gliders, plans for a large hadron collider, a horse rider. Hello. Chris, you are aware that things that rhyme with things aren't the thing itself. He's on a roll. A voltage divider, three bottles of sweet cider and an Ida. Duck. (coughs) Finished. Incy wincy spider eats some toxic waste, spins a big web and suffocates your face. In the posh hotel room, Incy had a laugh. Climbed up through the plug hole and snapped a bath in half. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Oodcast, your musical and comic look at Doctor Who. My name is Chris Sigma, also known as Chris Mead. I have two names. I do not know why that is, but I do. And with me this week we have a trio of Oods. We have my lovely wife and life companion, Laura Sigma. Trio! Trio! Cadbury's take and they cover them in chocolate. That's two completely different jingles. Oh. So one of them's trio, trio. <laughs> and the other one is hazelnuts. Oh. Isn't it? Nuts, <laughs> hazelnuts. <laughs> I, I do not eat chocolate. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. If Chris Alpha eats chocolate, he gets an awful headache. And talking about Chris Alpha, who I haven't introduced yet in true, not particularly professional podcast style, <laughs> the third and final member of the posse this week is our wonderful, diminutive powerhouse, Chris Alpha. Hello. The Easy third, on the diminutive. Uh, he's it, tiny. It's fine. If I could survive his, his best man speech at my wedding being <laughs> entirely based around how small I was, uh, I can survive this. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's just a f- statement of fact. I'm not being weird or anything about it. You're going to give somebody a Napoleon complex in a minute. Napoleon wasn't actually... That short. short. No, he was 5'9", no. 5'10". Five, five, he, he was quite angry, though. Yeah, he was. Mm. Yeah. So maybe Napoleon Complex is just being angry. Let's call it a cruise complex. You do know mm. we're now waiting for an episode of Doctor Who that Napoleon appears in so we can do a sketch where I take over the Udcast. That sounds good. I love that. Sketch, documentary, set. We're having ideas <laughs> for sketches on programmes that haven't even happened yet. Yeah. That's how far ahead of the curve we are. But now we need to write the series. So let's... <gasps> yeah, let's... <laughs> Can we? No, and in we a are. special announcement. No, we're not <laughs> doing that. But oh, if only we were. A lot of my friends are now writing Big Finish, though. Mm. Like Dan has written like a couple. He's written for Tom Baker. And Angus, who was on the series, who's on the Ood cast, the Ood one last year. Mm. He's got one coming out. And Luke Spillon. Luke hasn't, isn't writing for Big Finish yet. Oh, he just yeah. does everything Doctor Who. Though, he does the he? Doctor Who show, doesn't he, on yeah. YouTube? And yeah, stuff. the fan show, yeah. That's it. So friends of the podcast are doing well within, within the programme. And one day, not very far in the future, 
One nothing us, will happen. Nothing will happen. <laughs> one of us will to get our finger out and congratulate those of us who have done more than we have. <laughs> the Oodcast presents The Doctor's Guide to Small Talk. Rule one. Talk about normal things. I've never had a flat. I should get one. I'd be good in a flat. I could get a sofa. Imagine me with a sofa, like my own sofa. I could get a purple one and sit on it. Rule two. If in doubt, seek affirmation from your friends. Am I being weird? A little bit, yeah. Rule three. When in doubt, double down on the normal stuff. Ah, I see you have forks. I think forks are brilliant. They're like chopsticks with horns. Rule four. Try not to get distracted and start rambling. I knew someone with horns once. Buying them a hat was a nightmare, which was a shame because they had a good fair shape for hats. Also, they were made of sponge and they existed at all points in time and space simultaneously. Still, very symmetrical features. Rule five. Remember where you are and try to be complimentary. Your home has such a lovely atmosphere. I love a good 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen and 0.9% argon mix. Not to mention the trace elements of carbon dioxide, nitrous oxides, methane and ozone. Lovely. Rule 6. Remember when you are and try to be complimentary. Hello, Auntie Jill. Whatever you do, don't go swimming at the leisure centre next Wednesday and stay away from the abandoned house on the hill, especially if there's a funny glow in the night sky. I like your hat. I've got a friend who would rock that. Rule 7. Talk about popular culture. No, I've never seen Broadchurch. Is it any good? And finally, rule 8. Know when to quit. Thank you, I'd love another sausage on a stick. Look at me. Take my hand, and when I say run, run! Can I just say that I'm going to be slightly controversial and say that I don't think that Doctor Who was the best programme broadcast on Sunday evening. <gasps> I know exactly what you're going to talk about, and I haven't seen it yet. Inside Number 9 was so good! It was so good, I can't talk about it because Chris hasn't seen it, but... If you, if you have a chance to watch the live episode of Inside Number 9, it was mind-blowingly brilliant TV. I cannot, I cannot comprehend what geniuses those guys are. It was amazing. That's just a little recommendation from me. And now back to our normal <laughs> programming, where we actually talk about the program that most of you will have tuned in to listen to our thoughts on. Absolutely. This is the episode where we review arachnids in, in the, the UK. UK. Is that a thing we do now? Just all say it together. I, d I, I saw Loz winding up to do it and I thought I'd better join in just in case. There's I was just going getting on. my sex pistols on. That was pretty amazing that we just did that. that in improv, we would call that group mind. Oh, it helped nice. we knew what we were going to say. Mm, True. <laughs> so the fourth episode of season 11, who would like to start? Oh, can I do a start? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I thought this episode was just such geeky slapstick fun. Mm. I didn't find it frightening in any way, which I know is probably annoying for many listeners who are arachnophobes who couldn't watch the episode. 
I don't find spiders creepy at all. I call them spider friends and I encourage them to live with me and do their thing. You do. Yeah. I think they're wonderful little creatures. We um, lived with a spider friend in a, in a shepherd's hut, didn't we? In Cornwall, yes. And every morning we would say, hello, spider Good friend. Good morning, spider friends. <laughs> mm. And they would eat the little bitey insects that would have bitten us otherwise. So I like them very, very much. So I tend to think of spiders as like useful miniature dogs or cats that kill uh, fly rats, sort of a bit like that. Um, anyway, but there were just a lot of moments of humour in this episode and some pretty scathing political commentary at the same time, which I always enjoy. A little bit ham-fisted. Oh, I yeah, totally. It was, it was a bit one note, yeah, mm. a bit too on the nose to be genuinely funny or witty. But It, it was, was as yeah. clunky as a washing machine falling down the stairs, but... I enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah. It was like being slapped directly on the nose by a side of ham. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's how it was. This, dear listeners, is the state of political debate in the UK. Well, that's most fair. of the world at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Oh, mm. Let's not go there. Let's talk about the fictional no, world. happy things, it? happy things. Our ex-prime minister really liked ham, everyone. Really liked it. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Bom, bom, bom. Chris Alpha, any Hello. opening remarks? Um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm with Loz in much. I'm not really scared of spiders. Um, Pen, Penny, my wife, is scared of spiders, but wasn't worried by this because they were too big, <clears throat> ironically, to make her feel uncomfortable. Okay, everyone, welcome to Spider Slimming World. It's almost time for our weigh-in. Everyone gather round, please. Thank you. Sorry, Pam, I got distracted. This platter of fly legs is just so deliciously tempting. Thanks, Gavin. They're from the new Spider Slimming World recipe book. By removing the wings and body of the fly, you substantially reduce the overall calorific content. And as a bonus, they're a snap to make. I rustled these up in 15 minutes before I left my web tonight. They taste so decadent. But, but they're basically guilt-free. You can say that again, Gavin. That's what Spider Slimming World is all about. Not just surviving, but thriving. Now, is everyone here? Where's Danny? Oh, that's right. Where is he? I hope he's not decided to leave the programme. He was doing so well. <laughs> Hi everyone, sorry I'm late. Danny? What the... what? Did I miss the way in? No, Danny. No, you didn't. We were just about to start. Great, uh, can I go first? I've got a good feeling about this week. Mandibles cross, but I think I've got a shot at Spider Slimmer of the Week. Uh, Alright, Danny. On the scales you pop. Nice one. How did I do? Uh, not bad, Danny. Not bad. Come on, give me a number, Pam. Look, Danny, it's time I address the elephant spider in the room. It's not good news. You now weigh 3,000 kilograms, approximately the size of a small van. Oh, right. Uh, 
How much did I used to weigh? About 30 grams. So you've increased your weight by about 100,000% over the last month. Whoops. Whoops. Is that all you can say for yourself, Danny? What have you been eating? Oh, I don't know. Just stuff. Danny. Okay, I, I guess I did eat some toxic waste at that new place out by the old mines. Toxic waste? That's not on the sin-free list, is it, Pam? It most certainly isn't, Gavin. At Spider Slimming World, we advocate eating healthy, wholly organic meals as nature intended. A nice earwig, a tiny globule of dew. Some salad made from grass. But toxic waste just tastes so good. I can't help it. I know I shouldn't. I've got a problem. Yes, you have got a problem, Danny. For one thing... Since you've arrived here today, you've squashed Eric and Bonnie and Jacqueline with your massive hairy legs the size of telegraph poles. He's half squashed me too. You've half squashed Gavin too, Danny. What do you have to say for yourself? I can do better. I can turn this around. Oh, Danny, I know you can. We all believe in you. One day at a time, Danny. One day at a... Oh, my poor smashed abdomen. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Now, take a sticker and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Pam. I won't let you down. I know you won't, Danny. Uh, I thought that was good. I have inter- sort of some conflicting thoughts about some of the resolutions um, in, in that they made me feel slightly uncomfortable. Begin um, with the resolutions. I like it. Everything in, is topsy-turvy. In that I'm not sure how allowing a creature to die in uncomfortable pain by suffocating is worse than shooting it when it's dying anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I took the point. Um, what was the point, Chris? I don't know. Whatever it was, so you, I took it. Okay, good. Well, I, I took the environmental points of the episode, though. Actually, I thought they were quite nice. They were a nice callback to tradition, traditional Doctor Who, to classic Doctor Who, Green um, Death, the Green Death, maggots of yeah. doom. I mean, they never found a nest of eggs. Which, if you got that no. many spiders in an area, there will be more of them. Just because they've sorted out this current crop, mm. can you say a crop of spiders? Yes. What about? A skittering of spiders. A I quite like that as a collective noun. Not a web of spiders. Or is that no. two? Or... Uh, that's what they produce. I mean, I technically they produce young They could too, live but... in a neighbourhood of webs. Yeah, they could live in a neighbourhood of webs. But I quite like the idea of a skittering of spiders. Because I think that's what skeeves people out about them. That they skitter. That they move yeah. differently to what a human skeletal system would deliver. Exactly. Mm. But, you know, it's not like they eliminated that toxic waste from below the hotel. Mm. It's not like they even got all the spiders that were out and about. Oh, my word. What's the matter, Doc? The spider next door, but one to Yaz's flat. We left it there. Can't be that bad, can it? It's overdeveloped. I don't know how long it'll survive there. Perhaps it'll be okay. Maybe it'll adapt to its surroundings. Right. E. Think it's right. Time for a cuppa. Off to the kitchen. 
Yes. No, exactly. So there's a, a huge flapping yarn ball of loose threads at the end of this episode. Mm. Not least that a guy who is a massive, massive coward is on course to be leader of the free world. I mean... That's just normal life, though, isn't it, Lars? Again, yeah. <laughs> My take on this is this was Doctor Who returning to its roots again, and it has mm -hmm. roots in this sort of B-movie stuff. We've already mentioned the Green Death, but of course there's also Planet of the Spiders. This kind of, oh, it's a monster born of human hubris, you know? Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's something we've seen before. I really liked how it embraced it. I liked the pace of it. I think... Jodie Whittaker is rapidly becoming one of my favourite doctors. Her delivery of the jokes, and, and they're not they're not the strongest jokes in the world, but her delivery of those jokes is perfect. Mm. So she was amazing in it. I think all three of the uh, of Team Tardis officially Team Tardis now. I know. I hey, I totally called that. Word on Lars. <laughs> uh, I think all three of them have very distinct personalities. Uh, and they're all beautifully played. And I love the relationships that are beginning to build between them. I'm a sucker for unrequited love. I hope Yaz and Ryan get together at some point. I just love that sort of stuff. I like all the little comments that are being made about it. Bradley Walsh oh. is a great actor. Who'd have thought it, everyone? He's well, great. I mean, well, he has been in would. other stuff that I have watched. We would. Well, I didn't but, think you know, it. Yes, <laughs> he's very, very good in this. That Those whole meditation were, on grief. Yeah. It's Absolutely, just so touching, <clears throat> and it feels very, very necessary to to show somebody grieving mm. in a quiet way and show that sort of emptiness and loneliness that comes with losing somebody so important to your life. Well, what what hit me about it this time was that um, I know lots of people talk about that sort of stuff and the the stuff with Yaz's family being, you know, out of rtd's kind of blueprint for doctor who but actually graham's uh, grief is different because to me that's a very human bit of humanness that he's taking with him wherever he goes mm -hmm. and he's not going with the doctor to escape it he's going to outrun it you know it, it, it outlast it and but it's a very human thing to be taking into the universe with him and wherever they end up going she's coming with him exactly and that that to me that's a level above the kind of soap opera stuff people accuse um, writers of using in that. I think it's it's a great way of looking at it and it's really enjoying that at the moment. And it means we get to see more of that terrific actress whose mm. name I, I don't actually know, but the lady who plays Grace, who I really, really like. I just, she feels like a rooted, solid character that would be right in most contexts. Yeah. Like, a bit like, the doctor if the doctor wasn't so zingy and zany <laughs> but i've heard grief described a bit like a fried egg that you have the yolk part of it and that's your mass of grief and then your life is like the white of an egg so your grief never gets any less you just build up more life around it so i like the idea that graham is just building this huge ball, this massive fried egg of experience around the yolk of his loss. That's a weird analogy to make, but he's almost deciding Aww. to make a fast forward 
back so he can arrive at that point slightly earlier. A weird analogy from you, Lars. I know. It's yeah, this isn't normal. Are you all right? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> He's made, you're, so you're saying his grief is like him making a quick egg by going in ti- through time. Yes. Right? A cosmic egg. <clears throat> a cosmic like the moon. Oh, <laughs> space egg. Oh, it's already a story arc. This isn't supposed to be happening. So I have a slightly cautious criticism, and it's about Chris Chibnall. Chibnall! <clears throat> so here's the thing about Chris Chibnall from my point of view. I think as a producer and series runner, all the decisions he's made, I'm on board with. I love having a female doctor. I love having a diverse group of friends, companions. I love the fact that there are more female directors than male directors this year. I love the fact that the first person of colour is writing for the series and hopefully that will grow exponentially from that point and have all sorts of different backgrounds to the people creating this show. Great. I love that the um, the new person who does the music is also not a white man. You know, I, all of this stuff is great for me. All of that stuff, I think is amazing. But as a writer, as a person who sits down and puts words in front of each other it, to become dialogue, <laughs> I just don't rate him, unfortunately. I think his dialogue is functional at best. Mm. I don't so much have a problem with his dialogue as much as the plots are just so paper thin and it is really the performances that are pulling things off more than anything else. Yeah, the performances are amazing. I just... There are so many incredibly gifted guest actors on this show. I loved that scene of Yaz's dad and sister sitting there with this table of we know probably not very delicious food that he sat and prepared. Oh, it's taking an awfully long time to fetch a parcel. I loved that. And I felt a little a little stab of guilt slash sorrow that nobody would eat his horrible pakora or whatever it was he was making. I do want to say that I liked this episode. Uh, it had a real pace to it. It, was an, it knew what it was. It was a stupid B-movie chase mm. thing. I agree that the ending has multiple problems. But I did like it. I'm just, I'm just worried that I miss the intricate, wonderful wordplay and brilliant twists of the Moffat era that I was always a fan of. I never stopped being a fan of that. I don't think. Yeah, I'm sort of somewhere in between you. Um, Literally, you are. Yeah, and yes, and metaphorically mm. in this context. Um, yeah, some of the dialogue is a bit. Uh, basic isn't the word, but it's yeah, functional. I suppose is the right word. Work a day. Uh, yeah, it it's not necessarily how people talk all the time, <laughs> which sometimes sits a bit weirdly. But even in this kind of B movie style romp, that's a good word. Good romp. use of romp. Um, there were there were bits in it. There were coincidences that happened too often to really make it work. I mean. Uh, who knew that if they went to find a parcel two doors down, they'd meet a really um, important, uh, clever spider scientist? <laughs> it appears to me that his voice isn't the most dominant of mm-hmm. voices, whereas with Moffat, it really was Stephen Moffat's voice that was dominant in the writing. I don't think it is in Chris Chibnall's no. setup, and I think maybe that'll be okay. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. 
I do agree with you. I think they're valid critiques, um, but um, I, I'm I'm not particularly bothered at the moment. And I do quickly have to say that all the stuff that I love the most is where the authorial voice is incredibly high up in the mix. So, mm. I, you know, I love Aaron Sorkin. I love Joss Whedon. And that's the kind of TV that, that really turns me on. So I can see that that's really a taste thing. And I really want to also say that I'm still loving this series, but mm. his writing is not the number one reason, nor really even the number 10 reason. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, you really love Taika Waititi, whose metier is all about giving the performers enough space to really flesh out things and dialogue and characters for themselves a very improvised feel yeah but that's still authorial voice even as a director that's like you know a taika waititi film even if it's you know a yeah. marvel sci-fi epic or it's a tiny little short film but perhaps this is also just another way that the show's going back to its roots because mm -hmm. if you think back to pre-2005 doctor who there wasn't a single authorial voice over everything and it was pretty much a hodgepodge that was then brought together by one performance, mm -hmm. essentially, and the performance made the show, I think, in effect. Um, there were, yeah, sure, there were great writers and great stories um, all over the place, but it was only really held together by the performance. Yeah. And maybe that's what we've ended up with. I know diddly squat about the classic series, so I'm going to talk for a little bit about the Doctor. The Doctor doesn't seem to be especially doctory in the way that other Doctors have been. She doesn't get to do that shimmering, incisive genius. Again, the, the way the Doctor solved these solutions is to find experts, to find people who she trusted in their fields. Mm. The hotel manager who knew exactly what a room should look like and where all of the different blueprints were the spider arachnid expert who was able to tell her about the details of the genetic research and this is sort of how the doctor seems to be working and that is a kind of genius in itself and getting mm. disparate groups of people to work together but it's very much not the sort of look at me look at me i'm going to save everybody it's we're going to save ourselves but he didn't always used to be like that the fifth doctor arguably wasn't like that I was and just also thinking... sorry you go for it then, Chris. Sorry. No, no. Sorry. I was I was going to agree with you, the fifth doctor, particularly when they made the decision to get the lizard man to stand on his sonic screwdriver. You know, um, I do know its name. I'm just choosing not to say it on the podcast to not alienate anybody. Guys, um, which one was the fifth doctor again? Peter Davison. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, he had to rely on his wit and finding other people. And it's interesting, the fifth doctor was also a doctor that habitually had a full TARDIS, who habitually mm. had three companions. So the Doctor has been like this before. Uh, there's no denying that she is a genius. She can whip up a technological marvel in seconds. She's, all, she's always one step ahead, but she chooses to let other people shine. She's just lost that, that arrogance that the last few incarnations have had. Mm -hmm. I still think she's very much the Doctor. I mean, I, I very much liked her going through the middle class fridge and making a solution of garlic paste and vinegar <laughs> to spray all around the walls. Oh, that spider is still there. Yeah. <laughs> Here is the haiku for arachnids in the UK. Big shot out creeped by bodyguard eating spider. Team TARDIS sign up. 
Well, that was a whirlwind roundup of Arachnids in the UK. We anyone have anything else they want to say? A summary, anything like that? I'm just so interested in seeing which characters who've been baddies, especially, come back into the series later on. I feel like they've assembled a whole host of really talented guest stars, and I just want to know what crazy machinations they might get up to or is it just going to be that's it nope they're off have they all survived Mm. well we don't know because they sort of just disappear right um so presume they do Mm. that is an interesting point Lars. i i I did enjoy it i i think you know it's um it's it's a bit like an ice cream cone i really enjoyed the ice cream and then you're left with sort of the cone with the (laughs) whole um but as a as a whole thing, yeah, it was fun. It, it you know it didn't feel like it was fifty minutes. It was pretty good fun to me, and um, there was some there was some strong stuff in there as well as stuff that didn't strike me as as good. So. Bit of chocolate at the bottom of the cone. <laughs> That's not a good oh. thing for him. <laughs> as for me, I feel like I have to redress the balance if I have been too critical of this episode. Let me say that I am loving this season. I really, obviously, it takes a village to make something of Mm. this size and scale. And however prominent the head writer is, he is by no means the only voice in there. And everything else is of such a high standard. And he's fine. Mm. I'm really enjoying it. And this week, it was just a romp. It was fun. It made no sense. It was crazy dumb, but it was there were some great character moments and great and, CGI. Yeah, yeah, CGI was great. Still looked beautiful. So I had a great time. I had a ball. Here, here. Can I just add? I'm enjoying it when it's a nonsensical romp because it doesn't all have to fit in somewhere. It doesn't all have to make sense. That's you know, if there are more of those, good, great. It's still TV, which you book viewing parties with friends and you go and you sit down you're like yeah let's have fun and that's how it does feel it does feel like fun for some hundred years the controversy has raged what is underneath robertson's hump we're not the first to try and find out of course in 2095 sir dennis leverton stumbled across part of the ruins whilst walking his dog and just last year a bbc documentary uncovered the final mysterious part of the building Come on, I've got down to the last few centimetres of plaster. This is the noted archaeologist Professor Gildebrand Horner. And tonight, the enigma of the mysterious remains will be solved. There, that's the spot. Just behind this door lies the greatest archaeological find this country has known since Canary Wolf was rediscovered by the reanimated David Attenborough while filming some wild cybermats at play. Well... This is exciting. We're about to uncover history in a live broadcast. What do you think we're going to find, Professor? Who knows? Treasure, maybe. A ruler lying in state, perhaps. There's no record of this room on the plans we were able to find in the archives of the hotel. So, no idea of what it could be at all? That's about the size of it. Ah, we're in. I'll just have a look to get the size of things before we let the cameras in. Oh, God! What on earth? Professor, 
Are you alright? Perhaps I want to have a look. Well, that's what we thought of arachnids in the UK. Please join our listening group on Facebook. It's called The Commodity, so that you can discuss it further. We have a lovely active community of really positive and wonderful Doctor Who fans. Uh, so if you are tired of having to argue about the fact that the Doctor's a woman and want to find a small corner of the internet where everyone not only has accepted that completely but is also incredibly excited about it then please come and join us there otherwise if you could rate us on itunes that would be incredible because it pushes us up the rankings of the 33 billion doctor who podcasts (laughs) more than the number of stars in the galaxy and on that note we shall take our leave of you and beg that you come back next week Pretty please. Goodbye. Goodbye. Toodle pip. Doctor Who, Doctor Who has a TARDIS that's painted blue. Is she smart? Listen, Ace. She can travel through time and space. Hey there. Where? There goes our Doctor Who. Doctor Who, Doctor Who, saving Sheffield from toxic goo. Shooby do her TARDIS goo. Look to her to know what to do with Flair. There goes our Doctor Who. In the depths of space, running out of her air. She has boundless grace. She is still debonair. Well, no right-minded boy or girl would miss this Sunday's appearance of Doctor Who down at their local shopping mall. Unless, of course, they're at home with their Plunko vinyl action figures. Doctor Who, strongest dream Build her own little TARDIS team In the past, they're aghast There's a diverse supporting cast Look out, wherever there's a scare You'll find the Doctor there You'll find the Doctor there Scooby-dooby-dooby-dooby-doo I think my sonic's tingling <laughs> it sure is in such serial entertainments as Doctor Who and the Shop Dummies, Doctor Who and the Gross Maggots, CSI Doctor Who, Strictly Come Doctor Who, The Bodyguard Who Guards Doctor Who, Doctor Who Loves Raymond, Friends of Doctor Who, Doctor Who Miami, Doctor Who The Vampire Slayer. And finally, rule eight. Thank you. I, I haven't said what rule eight is. Oh, okay.